that you are worshiping with us today on this Resurrection Sunday morning. Um, I've got a word for those of you that are visitors, especially first-time visitors. A couple things we want to make you aware of. We would love for you to stop by our brand new Welcome Center. We've got this really cool gift here. The staff is really envious of this coffee mug. We're not allowed to have one yet. They're only for visitors. So stop by, get one. There's a candy bar, um, coupon for coffee, all kinds of stuff in there. Check that out. We would love to give that to you. And we have a special gift for children as well of first-time visitors. Sunday mornings, if you have questions about FCC, you need help finding your way around here, ask one of the volunteers. They're wearing the volunteer tag, and they would be happy to help you. In the pew in front of you, there are connection cards. And we're asking you if you're a visitor or you're wanting to get connected or you have a prayer request that you'd like to share with us or you have another um, uh, change of address, something along those lines, new email, something, uh, fill that out. You can turn it in at the Welcome Center. We look forward to that. You'll notice that our bulletin looks different. Um, if you weren't here last week or if it's been a while since you've been here, we've got a brand new style of bulletin. And one of the things that's missing in it is a lot of the news and happenings and comings and goings and hospital lists and prayer lists. We're still publishing that. That's still available. You can get this sheet right here that says the take note, what's happening at FCC at the Welcome Center. We're also emailing that out every week. And so if you would like to get that, give us your email address. We will get you connected with that. Last announcement, new attenders. If you're new around here, or maybe you've been around here for a while and you really just want to know more about FCC, next Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. in the foyer, uh, there's going to be a very special meet and greet. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Coffee and light snacks will be served, and we would love to tell you all about FCC. Well, I understand we have some kids in church today. If you're fifth grade or under, would you stand up right now? Fifth grade or under, stand up right now. You guys look really sharp, and I'm glad that you're here today. And to get going this morning, I wanted to show you a couple. Hey, give them a hand, clap for them, that's awesome. I know it's not Christmas, I know it's Easter, but I want to talk today about gifts. And a really cool thing, at least I think it's really cool, has been happening in my life for about the last four to five years, and there are people around here that have give, been giving me themed gifts. Here was the first gift that I received way back in 2013. It's my Chicago Cubs, what would you call this, comforter, okay? And I didn't realize I was a prophet. When I got it on that October day, I put on Facebook that I'm going to build a fire and snuggle up in my cub comforter and dream about 2016. That's on Facebook. You can go back and look. So somebody knew something at that point. This appeared in my office the next year, and it's the world champion Chicago Cubs 1907. How about that? 1907 and it's got all the players there and of course they're long gone and um, that's that then this uh, cubby bear showed up look at this little cubby bear here and uh, you know that kind of sits on the top of my shelf and then this wasn't an anonymous gift I know who gave it to me but it's a Chicago Cub milk chocolate candy bar and I don't want anybody to eat this okay I'm hanging on to this 
for years. I have it on the center of my desk. I love my Fannie Mae Chicago Cub chocolate bar. And then my most recent gift was this Chicago Cub coffee mug. What's the, the theme going on there? Anybody know what's the theme? Now, you think the theme is the Cubs, right? It's what you think that the theme is. But this is an all-inclusive church. We let Cardinal fans come. Um, there's like three or four White Sox fans. So you're all welcome here. That's not the theme of the illustration. The theme of the illustration is nothing beats a good gift. I, I can be having the most rotten day possible, and I walk in, and I see a gift, and it just brings a smile to my face. And that's really why we're here today. We're here today because of an awesome, awesome gift. So we're going to show about a three-minute video right now. And this is for everybody, but this is especially for my friends fifth grade and under to, to try to help you better understand what this weekend's really all about. Let's check this out. Daybreak is almost here. It's nearly Sunday. Seven hundred years ago, a man named Isaiah wrote that the Messiah would come to Israel and be rejected and killed. Four hundred years ago, God stopped sending prophets. Thirty-three years ago, God broke his silence and an army of angels announced the birth of the Savior. Three and a half years ago, John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Three years ago, Jesus told Nicodemus that the Son of Man must be lifted up and that those who believe in him will have eternal life. One year ago, Jesus told his followers he would be killed by the Jewish leaders but that he would rise again after three days. Last Sunday, Jesus rode into Jerusalem as the people shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Thursday night, Jesus was betrayed by one of his own and arrested. On Friday, the crowd shouted, Crucify! And the sinless Son of God was killed on a Roman cross. Jesus' disciples have been in hiding, terrified for their lives, not understanding what has happened. It's been a long two nights, but in a few seconds, the sun will rise. And that is what this weekend is all about. Two things. God's greatest gift 
Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and for me. And God's greatest miracle, the resurrection, Jesus rose again. I want to talk to you today about maybe the most famous sermon, the most famous missionary of all time ever preached. His name was Paul. Paul's life started by being a religious zealot who sought out to kill Christians, but then he had an amazing, amazing transformation. He literally saw the light, and he transformed into the greatest missionary our world has ever seen. And he started going on these journeys, literally taking the news of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the news of that all over the world. And he was in a place called Thessalonica, and people were excited, but they rounded up kind of a, a mob of bad characters, and they ran him out of town. So he went to Berea, and he preached Jesus at Berea, and that mob from Thessalonica made their way to Berea. So the people that were kind of watching out for Paul sent him on to the city of Athens. Athens was the intellectual capital of the first century world. That means that's where the really, really, really smart people hung out. And they spent most of their time hanging out with other really, really smart people talking about the latest and the greatest ideas. And so I want to read for you this account, and I want to ask you three questions, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to call it a day. In Acts chapter 17, we see this account beginning with verse 16. You're invited to grab a Bible in front of you and read along if you would like. Acts chapter 17, it says, while Paul was waiting for them, his friends in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as those in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. And some of them asked, what's this babbler trying to say? And others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and they brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus. The Areopagus was the smartest of the smartest people getting together. They had a council. They hung out. They heard new ideas. Any idea was welcome. Few ideas were really embraced. And so they took him to this meeting of the Areopagus and they said to him, Paul, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. So Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus, and he said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. There were idols everywhere. See, the Greeks were so afraid that if they forgot about a God or they didn't know about a God, that God would rise up and that God would cause problems for them and maybe just strike him down. So they kind of had the philosophy, the more gods, the merrier. And so we might be praying to the God of rain one day and we might be praying to the God of sun the next day and we might be praying to the God of agriculture when it's springtime 
And we might be praying to the God of protection when we're afraid and we're scared. And Paul's saying, I saw this inscription on this one idol to an unknown God. Let me tell you about this unknown God. I know who he is. And so here's Paul's sermon. The God who made the heaven and the earth and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man, Abraham, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and we move and we have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like silver or gold or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. And at this point, this sermon's really no big deal, quite honestly. And some of them have heard some of this before. There there would have been an idea, uh, an understanding of some of the ideas of Judaism. Abraham, they would have connected with this. God the creator, they would have connected with this. This idea that God wants to connect with us, some of them would have connected with us. But verse 31, everything changes. Look at verse 31. It says, For God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. Paul brings in the resurrection. Paul says, you want to know what's different from all these other gods that you're checking out and that you're worshiping? One day you're worshiping here, one day you're worshiping there. Here's the one thing that's different about Jesus. God raised him from the dead. That's the reason that today our attendance at FCC will be about double what it normally is. Because the resurrection is a big, big deal. There's no better day to be in church and to worship God than Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday morning. So so what this crowd, the really, really smart people, what they do with the news of the resurrection? Let's read on. Verse 32, it says, When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. And at that, Paul left the council. A few became followers and believed. Among them was Diocinus, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. And so here's where this sermon kind of cuts to the chase. Three different responses. The first response is you have people, man, they are cynical. They are skeptical. Paul talks about the resurrection of Jesus, and there are people, and it's the, the, the text actually says that they sneered. They laughed. They said, oh, give me a break. 
How can someone who was crucified rise up again? And my hunch is there's some of us that are here today, um, maybe not because we wanted to be here. Maybe we're here because someone else really wants us to be here. And we're digging the choir. And if you're a Cub fan, you're digging the Cub Afghan. And all of that. But you're just really not sure about this whole resurrection thing. It just doesn't jive with where you're at. What's the second response? Well, you've got the curious. The curious said to Paul, hey, we want to know more about this. We want to know more about this whole rising up from the dead thing. We want to know more about this whole Jesus thing. And I really believe, I don't know, I wasn't there, you weren't there, but I really believe that they were being honest when they said we want to know more. But they were being honest at arm's length. They were curious. More investigation was needed, but in reality, it wasn't a pressing move of the hour. You might throw a word out like procrastination. And for some of us who are here today, you know, we are curious. We want to know more. We want to know why people in our life do crazy things like give 10% of their income to the Lord. We look at that, and that just seems looney tunes. That just seems crazy. But man, mom does that. Dad does that. Spouse does that. Sibling does that. Neighbor does that. Coworker does that. And wow, why are they so committed? You're curious. But curious at kind of arm's length. And then right here, the third response is people, they were convicted. They said, I can't leave today without making a decision for Jesus. Their conviction became a commitment. And we only have the names of two people. Um, I think probably more than that became followers of Jesus, but we only know about two. A lady by the name of Damaris, we don't know anything about her, but this guy, Diocinus, who was a member of the Areopagus, Really cool thing about him, tradition says that he went on not only to become a follower of Jesus, but he became the bishop of Athens. And what that really means is he became the key Christian leader in the intellectual capital of the first century world. So here's my question. Where are you today? Only you can answer that. Your spouse can't answer that. Your friend can't answer that. Your parent can't answer that. Your child can't answer that. Only you can answer that. And so if you're cynical, if you're skeptical, if you kind of connect with the people that were sneering, I have a plea for you today. Will you give Jesus an honest look? Only you knows what that means to give him an honest look. Spend a month trying to figure it out. Spend four Sundays committing to being here or at some church where you can hear the good news of Jesus. Reach out to people in your world that you know are followers of Jesus and try to figure out why. If you are someone that's in that, that curious crowd, you want to know more, but maybe not right now. you got things to do, places to go, people to see. Can I challenge you today to chase that? Chase that curiosity. Don't procrastinate seriously investigate Jesus. And if you find yourself convicted, 
We have this thing called the Holy Spirit that I think really moves people. And if that's where you're at today for whatever reason, I have one word for you today. Commit. Give your life to Jesus. I've got one final gift that I want to show to all of you, but especially my friends, fifth grade and under. And it's my newest gift. It was given to me by my, by my friend Doris this week. Let's see if I can whip this bad boy out here. What's that stand for? Win, right? Victory. Here's the point. Here's the point. With Jesus Christ who died on the cross and was buried in the tomb and on the third day rose again. Every day is victory day. Cub fans, we can only fly this flag when the team wins, and we haven't won the last couple days, so we can't fly this flag. When you're a follower of Jesus Christ, every day is a victory day. Let me pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for Jesus, your son. Thank you that even though we're sinners, even though we've missed the mark, even though we need a savior, you answered. Jesus is the answer. God, I'm thankful for people like Paul that took the good news all over the world. And I'm thankful for people like Diosinus and Damaris, people we know nothing about really, that responded and made a difference in your name. And God, I'm especially thankful here today for every single person that's gathered together. God, it's my prayer that the cynic will be cynical no more and that the curious will chase that and find contentment in Jesus. God, convict us all. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Every Sunday at our church, we, we do this thing called the hymn of commitment and a hymn of invitation. And if you have a decision to make for Jesus Christ, today is the day. Now, we rolled out a brand new ministry last week. We have a really neat fireside room in our foyer, and one of the volunteers can point your way. We have an elder and his wife that are in.